Welcome to the Body Positivity Podcast with Diana Grimion and Artless. And we have an amazing guest today, and Diana is going to tell us all about her. Well, Arliss and our fellow listeners, let me tell you a little bit about Samantha Kaawa. Samantha is an author, professional keynote speaker, and marriage coach for women. She's also a licensed marriage and family therapist and the founder of the Gems with Samantha Kaawa, which is an international coaching company focused on helping women finally break the, the unhealthy generational patterns of their family by creating a solid marital foundation. She's the author of Creating Your Marriage Miracle, a new age guide to transforming your relationships, saving your family, and fulfilling your destiny. Welcome, Sam. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's such an honor to be here with the both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Well, we love to start off by asking you what part of your body has been the easiest to love? What part of my body has been the easiest to love? Um, I really want to lean in and answer intuitively right now. Originally, when I first saw the question, um, the the area that's the most easiest to love is actually my husband's favorite favorite part of my body, <laughs> um, which is my butt. And uh, I think in our society, it, it and this plays into some of the the later questions that we're going to be talking about. But it's it's really acceptable to have a a sizable butt, <laughs> whether right, and it's something that you they people have leaned into talking about curves, right? And that's really one of the areas that I have the most curves in. And so that was the area that I felt normal growing up. Uh, and didn't it, see the funny thing is, is that the, the place that is the easiest to love is the place that I, I didn't give as much attention to. Um, it was kind of this, oh, that's the normal part of my body. Right. Um, but when I thought about it later, especially through through my marriage and my husband's commenting on the parts of me that he loves the most, it really stood out that that was the area that was the easiest to love because I felt normal, if that makes any sense. Yeah. What what was it then that like, so for you, it felt like curves were more normal and that was the part of your body that had the most curve and that was why it seemed just easy to love is kind of what I'm hearing. Yeah. I, I, well, and what I'm talking about is curves. Like I'm, I'm talking about the classic, like hourglass figure. Um, and I think the reason why it, that was highlighted was because I'm not busty. So I didn't have curves on top and then I had curves on the bottom and it's not significant but it was the area that I'm like, all right, here I am. This is what I have. <laughs> Let, let's love the part that is. Um, <laughs> so that, yeah, it was that hourglass figure that I, I'm just, and I'm just really attuning into what I was aspiring to be as a child and what society taught me was beautiful. Right. And that was it. Um, and that's what I felt like I could flaunt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely see the confidence that you have in speaking about it. And oh, okay. And 
I'm also the same way. You know, my booty has been something that I've always felt really confident about. Um, And it's interesting because like you said, it's the thing that you've given the least amount of consideration to. Right. And so, and I can say the same thing. I don't worry about how my butt looks because I know it looks awesome. Um, And so I'm not putting a lot of thought into what people are thinking about it or how it's being perceived or even how I think about it because it's our, it's so solidified within myself. And I hear that within you too, Samantha. Awesome. Yeah, for me, curves hit a different way. Like when uh, Arliss and I have talked about our favorite body parts, I mentioned, you know, something that also I didn't have to give a lot of attention to because I have, you know, for my body frame, I have a naturally small waist. And so that's, you know, just something I didn't, I didn't work for that. I didn't right. do a sit up <laughs> or anything like that. It just was kind of there. And I think um, it's interesting how we sometimes think that the part of us that we love is, um, is that effortless part to love. And it's like, mm-hmm. maybe that part of us that we love is because it's been so effortless instead of yes. you know, thinking the other way around. Yeah, that. I, that's so true, right? And that, especially when we talk about just love in general, it, that's what we're searching for is this, this effortless, organic love, right? That it's um, the synergy, the, the kindness, the conversations that come around it. And even, I know we're talking about body parts, but, and I'll get, to that when I answer other questions, but the reality is those are the relationships that we lean into, right? When it's easy and it feels natural and normal. So yeah, I totally agree with you. Awesome. So our follow-up question is always, what part of your body has been the most challenging to love? Yes. So I when I was thinking about this part of the, this part of the interview, this question, initially the the first thing that came to mind was my stomach. That has always been the area that I felt shame. I didn't want to show off. I, you know, and, and this is coming from someone who was considered petite, considered skinny, considered tall. And yet I didn't, I had so much, um, my self-image, my self-confidence lacked in this particular area. Like I wouldn't go out in a bikini. You'll never see me with a crop top. <laughs> like, and that was the area that I felt um, just, it didn't align with what I wanted or what I thought was beautiful. And um, so that tended to be the area that was the hardest to love for me. Um And it's interesting because, and this is only coming through right as I'm speaking, um, because our na'al lives there, right? In the Hawaiian culture, na'al, our core, our our gut even. And that was the part of me that I trusted the least. Um, So it actually makes a lot of sense as to why that particular area, both symbolically and physically, was the hardest to love because I truly, I didn't trust myself and I didn't love myself in many different ways, which played out in my marriage. It played out in other relationships. And yeah, it, it that's only clicked right now as I'm talking to you. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, um, it's very interesting because we have whatever our 
I haven't heard a single woman or anybody come on our podcast who shared and was like, oh yeah, like my abs were the ideal abs. Because everybody, it seems to me, has a different idea of what the ideal abs were based on what there's almost as if it were based on what theirs looked like, where it's like, yeah. basically just not mine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, um, cause I'm hearing you say, you know, like in terms of, if you were to look at it objectively being, you know, petite, hip, skinny, tall, um, many people could consider that like ideal abs. And for you, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it was a different image, right? Maybe there was more definition or like whatever that kind of looks like. Um, I love that. It's like, yeah, we all, we all think that they're supposed to look like somebody else's abs. (laughs) Right. Right. Yep. What was highlighted to me, what was, was the things that I didn't like. So just in all transparency and all honesty, it wasn't necessarily my muscles or my core that, that it was that I disliked. It really actually was my belly button. And then to be even more transparent about that, you know, when you're talking about the hardest part of your body to love, I am of Okinawan descent, right? So this is Japanese, but there's an island off of Japan, which is called Okinawa. And there's a lot of people here in Hawaii that uh, identify as Okinawan. And one of the traits is being really hairy. And so I had a belly button that had hair on it and I didn't know what to do with it. And I was like, well, that doesn't look very nice. (laughs) Right. And then it's like, oh, but if I loved myself, I wouldn't take it off. Or, you know, like there was this battle, this internal battle that I had around my belly button and the hair that I had and wasn't a lot, but it was just enough for me to say, oh, what is that? Right. And so it's, it's like you said, Diana, it's really interesting because some people are focusing on their muscles or their abs, whereas I'm focused on my belly button and just the, the fear of being a hairy Okinawan girl growing up in this world where hair is not something to you aspire to have on your body, <laughs> except your head, <laughs> right? Like everywhere else, it's like you want to be hairless. So that's another thing that, I mean, I guess people, I don't know if anybody on here has ever considered, I don't know that I have that even just our hair being part of our body is something that's hard to love. Right. Yeah. 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 Arliss and I have definitely gotten into conversations about armpits. <laughs> oh, there you <laughs> and, go. Like all that kind of stuff. Right. Cause, um, cause for me at least, you know, and I'd love to know Sam and Arliss what you think too. Like I've gone through phases where I'll grow my armpit hair, but then it gets to a point where it's annoying. Yeah. And so I shave it off because it's like, you know, like for me personally, I find that it harbors like odors more. And also it's like, it just gets annoying. It gets long and I don't like it. So I can totally understand that like feeling too of like, like, oh, do I get rid of it? Do I keep it? Do I get rid right. of it? You know, and like um, a lot of the the self-consciousness that can go on around our hair. I think it, it's really interesting. Yes. Yeah, I I totally agree. And yes, for my armpits, it's really more of a comfort level for me too. It's like, all right, I'm done. (laughs) Go away. (laughs) So yes. Yeah. Yeah. I know for me, um, you know, I've had health challenges 
pretty significant health challenges in my past that where bending over to shave my legs or standing for long periods of time to shave my legs or contorting into the weird positions that we contort ourselves into to shave legs was just not possible. It just physically wasn't possible for, for mm-hmm. me at those times. And, um, And so it's interesting. I've really come to be comfortable with leg hair. Like I don't even, I I know that when I went through the move, I just moved into a new home. And when I went through the move the last um, two to four weeks, I didn't shave for like over a month. I did not shave my legs for over a month and I'd almost forgotten about it. Now I'm really lucky because I'm a natural blonde, I have very fine, light hair. Like you couldn't, if I was standing across the room from you in short shorts, you wouldn't know. Um, and you'd have to be pretty close to me to be able to tell. So I am lucky in that way, but there's a sense of freedom around being okay with the fact that I don't need to shave my legs every day. And I do have friends that they shave their legs and arms and underarms every day. Um, And there's a sense of freedom in me knowing that I don't need to do that. Now, I know that people that that do shave every day and they do it for comfort, like it's Mm -hmm. just far more comfortable for them to be shaved every single day. They like the smoothness of the skin and that sort of thing. And and so it just it's interesting the range of what feels free or comfortable to people you know yeah. i and that's so funny because i can relate to that too like my underarms i shave daily because it's comfortable my legs i shave maybe like once a quarter cuz it's comfortable <laughs> like i just don't like to shave my legs um and so i t- i can relate to both of your stories and that Yes, I'm not as fortunate um, of not of having blonde, not having blonde hair. <laughs> so long pants it is, but I prefer that because it's like this is what comfort is to me, and I I love just not having to deal with like the pokies and the ingrown hairs on my leg and all of those you know things that come through. So it has less to do with the aesthetics of it and more to do with just being able to love my body and feel comfortable in it uh, on a regular basis. So yeah, I hear you. From all of us, I hear a lot of the focus of body hair really being comfort, right? Mm. So rather than it being something about like whether the hair is visible or not visible or any of those sort of things, I'm hearing all of us have gotten to a place where our hair choice is about comfort as opposed to um, trying to hide something or trying to, um, yeah, like trying to embody a specific image. Like all of us are coming from a place of, yeah, this is what's comfortable. When it gets uncomfortable, I change it. (laughs) I I, I think that's a now thing definitely not a (laughs) growing up thing it was definitely image focused (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, I agree Uh, so I'll ask our next question what is one of your self-love or self-care practices oh yes um and I was thinking hard about this answer as well because there were many different phases of my life in, in relation to my body. So the self-care actually reflected what I was going through in that, in that phase in my life. But, you know, early on when I was learning, I, I had a phase that I called loving myself from the outside in. 
instead of the inside out because at that point in my life, I couldn't even look myself in the mirror. I felt so horrible at everything that was going on. I just didn't feel beautiful. I didn't feel worthy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so I needed to start where I could. And that was in the mirror. And so one of those self-love activities I did then was really just putting on skincare and putting on some makeup even, but mainly skincare because it forced me to look myself in the eyes every day and start to affirm things like, whether I felt it or not, like what, I, like you have gorgeous eyebrows or you have high cheekbones and, you know, and I just started to affirm things to myself in my, in the mirror using that skincare regimen. So that was one. Um, and more recently, I believe that the self-love that I in, engage in has to do with investing in myself and feeding my soul and feeding that that allows me to feed my body, right? Like it's, it's the, um, you know, what, what is the, the youthful fountain or the, you know, that fountain of youth that gives me life. And so feeding my soul is me taking care of my body is loving myself. And I do that through reading. I do that through courses, through coaching, whatever that might be. Um, and of course, the, the one-off massages and you know, like those types of things to really help me to um, care for myself and put myself first. Yeah. I love that you started with looking yourself in the eyes in the mirror. I think it's really easy to forget how powerful that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we are to think about having a conversation with another person, it really means a lot to us when they look us in the eyes and when they make that connection with us. And so why wouldn't it be just as, if not more so important that we can do it for ourselves with ourselves? Yes. And it was hard <laughs> to like maintain eye contact with yourself. That was probably the single act of self-love that happened some days because it was like, I, you know, you just keep shifting your eyes um, because you don't want to look yourself in, you know, straight into your soul. And um, yeah, I, I agree with you so much, Arliss. That was a big move for me. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm hearing you say, Sam, that, you know, it, it wasn't always easy to look at yourself in the eyes. Right. And so as, mm-hmm. as we have, um, for those of you listening, really keeping in mind, this can be an uncomfortable practice to start. But what I'm hearing you say, Sam, is that it was continuing, even in the discomfort, even if it was just for a second today, um, building that consistent repetition of doing that over time made it easier. And I mean, how long was it for you? Was it like, did it feel awkward for like months or, you know, was it awkward for years? Like how how long can someone expect to be in that awkward space? Oh yeah, I mean I wouldn't give it a a time frame, you know, and and say oh she did it quicker or I took longer. But yeah, it took it took me months. It it really it was the beginning of a deeper process obviously, but it was a starting point. So as I you know be, began to look myself in the eye, put on my skincare, that became normal eventually, right? A few months into that, it wasn't as awkward. I would add something 
a little discomfort of saying something, oh, I love you, you're beautiful, you're gorgeous. And that felt uncomfortable for you know a few months more. <laughs> and just upping the ante that way allowed me to get deeper and deeper and deeper within until I, I the point of power is really just learning how to accept you for you and loving you for who whoever you are and whoever that shows up um, at any given moment. And that was that was the the challenging part too, was maybe every morning I could stare myself in the mirror after, you know, six months or eight months and I felt okay. But the person that was showing up in my marriage was still a really feisty, ugly person, you know? And so loving her too, and being able to look her in the mirror, you know, in the eyes, in the mirror, when I'm about to have this massive blow up was a whole different experience too. So... I don't know if that fully answers your question. <laughs> yeah, like, so what I'm hearing you say is that it takes time to get through the the discomfort, but that part of it is realizing that the discomfort is always just the next level to potentially move into. And it's like, when we're comfortable with looking in our own eyes, adding in, you know, affirmations and, um, you know, when it, when we become comfortable with ourselves in that place, being comfortable with all the other versions of ourself, And mm-hmm. all of that is what I'm hearing stems from a singular act of self-love. And it's almost um, a defiance of the way that we tend to think about ourselves. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I also hear Samantha that, by loving this side of you that maybe you were looking to change or that didn't, or you didn't maybe in those moments felt like was not the best side of you. Um, but that looking that that side of you in the eye and sending love to that side of you allowed you to make the positive shift that you didn't shame yourself into making a positive shift that you loved yourself into making a positive shift in how you showed up in your marriage. Yes, absolutely. And that like what you said right there is super key is we can't shame ourselves into any shift, uh, any positive shift. It's, it really is the, the key to all of that is love, right? So it it was a tough lesson to learn because, of course, as a child, I learned through shame or I learned through guilt or I learned through um, the hard way, right? And realizing that that really doesn't create lasting change and it doesn't do anything but make us feel worse and worse and worse. So yeah, that's, I love that point and I totally agree. That's awesome. And I imagine that that's a key point of the methodology that you teach in your coaching. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause so, I mean, just since you're, you're asking just really quickly, it's called inner mosaic and in your inner mosaic, I help people to identify all the different parts of themselves that were, that was created through the course of their life. And at any given moment, a different part of yourself could be in the driver's seat and showing up in your marriage. So for me, a younger version of myself was showing up in my marriage, throwing a tantrum every time I was triggered and learning how to love her, um, that younger version of myself and one of many younger versions of myself. But learning how to love her and all parts of myself really was was the key component in um the transformation that I've had and going back to, you know, my body, 
it actually started with loving myself from that outside in like, okay, what can I love today? What, what can I compliment? What can I praise? And then it got deeper and deeper and deeper into learning that there are internal parts too. It's not just external and they're very much tied to different parts of our experiences through life. So, yeah. What I hear with this, um, with your inner mosaic, Sam, is it's as if we're treating parts of ourselves as separate. And some of the work that you're doing is creating unity with love of the different parts, right? So whether we're starting um, outside in and then, you know, loving the version of ourself in the mirror, loving the version of ourself who gets triggered and, you know, throws a tantrum, like, and rather than separating or disconnecting from that part of self and treating it in a different way, um, it, wrapping it in love and yeah. accepting it as as part of you and your unit and creating that wholeness instead of or, or where division existed in the past. Yeah, because most people shove the parts of themselves, whether that's the outside parts or the inside parts, into a box and say, don't ever come out and let the world see you. We don't want, we don't want that. That's not going to be pretty, right? Like whatever it is, we've, we've, most of us have done that. And so, yes, it's really letting that part out and saying, I trust you, right? I think love is trust. Trust is love and learning to trust all the different parts of our bodies to function the way we want it to function, but also the different internal parts of ourselves to, you know, show up in the way that we would love them to show up is is really part of that self-love process and like you said the inclusivity of everyone everyone plays a role and everyone's important and it really dissolves the concept even of an inner critic there is no inner critic within you we're just different parts of ourselves judging each other for you know be maybe a five-year-old part of ourselves judging them and saying you should act like you're 20 like you should act like you're 33 because that's how old you are. But you're like, no, they're five. And it's just like our body, you know, when we expect it to do something that it's not been given the opportunity to do in 10 years, like wh where do we think we're going to get that, you know, miracle muscle? Um, we're not. So it, it's really just embracing ourselves in that way. Yeah. And I, I do that work on the inside um, mostly. Yeah, with my clients. That's really beautiful. And I imagine that you have at least one tip and probably many more to give our listeners for, you know, when that old pattern, that old negative pattern arises, knowing how to reconnect with who we are now in self-love and releasing that old pattern. So what is one tip that you would give to our listeners? Yeah. So I guess that does align with how my modality works is I normally just identify who's showing up, like what part of me is showing up to the conversation right now? Cause it's all a dialogue, right? We're having this constant dialogue in our head and that's really where the critical thoughts come from. And so it's like, okay, who's showing up to the table right now? And it's for me when you know, I have feel self-conscious about my, my belly button or my stomach area. I realize, okay, this is a, a girl who's about 13 years old. This is me as a 13 year old middle schooler who was laughed at because she had belly button hair or because 
you know, it, it looked funny or I was okay now and whatever. She got teased. She got bullied. She got teased for not only that, but for many other reasons. And it just takes me back to being bullied. It takes me back to feeling self-conscious. And so knowing that, oh, okay, there's a 13 year old girl showing up here. How would I talk to that 13 year old girl? And it wouldn't be like, snap out of it. Why are you acting so silly? You're a confident woman. You own your body. Like you shouldn't be ashamed of, you know, like the shoulds. And then it's like, wait, I wouldn't tell that to a 13 year old girl. I would tell her like, sweetie, it's okay. You know, and it's, it's okay to not like that hair if you don't like it. It's okay to do with it what you want. It's okay to um, just love and embrace who you are the way you want to love and embrace who you are. And then the affirmations just come pouring out, right? Because you naturally will speak kinder, I'm assuming, not everybody, but <laughs> the, most of us will naturally speak kinder to a younger child um, who is feeling self-conscious and scared and worried of judgment. Um, and, and that's really how I work through most of uh, my clients' challenges. And I, I believe that it works too when I have issues with my body. Yeah. yeah. I like that because I think when it comes to, um, to your body, when you are showing up as that, as that younger, less aware or less, um, evolved version of self I think that it can be one of those things where we instantly judge it and hold it to that standard of you know why are you not thinking this way and I think what I'm hearing you say is to meet yourself where you're at to to be able to identify and see like where is it that I am and then how would I respond knowing that this is where I am versus just feeling like we are the 13 year old girl feeling like we are that person, like we can, yeah. we're almost like detaching from that mm -hmm. and saying, okay, this is, this is this part of me. How do, how would I respond to this part of me? Yeah. Yes. And, and then you're not in that fight, fight or freeze mode. You're really saying you're having like that out of body experience saying, okay, this part of me is freaking out. How can I support her? <laughs> like what, what is it that she needs? You know, what kind of love can I give her? And it really takes you out of the crisis, right? It takes you out of that, that moment of fear, shame, guilt, whatever, whatever that's going on. Yeah. That's fantastic. So what are some body image expectations or societal norms that you feel like you've overcome as you've grown into the woman that you are? Yeah. Um, it's, and I feel like, for me, it, it's been a kind of ebb and flow experience. Like there's these ups and these downs. There's, you know, when I was younger, there was a societal norm of skinny Barbie look um, was the way to go. Starve yourself to death. I didn't know that, but that's what the models were <laughs> emanating at that time when I was young. And then as I was growing up, you know, more of the body positivity movement was starting to happen. And it was like, love yourself for who you are, embrace every part of your body. And, and even more recently, it's, it's come, it's come to this place of just health. Like, what do you love? Right? What, what feels good? And that, that effortless that we talked about in the beginning. So 
to be honest, I don't know exactly what I've truly overcome other than just really finding ease and flow within my body and that kind of allowing the you know how we said earlier like the part of our body that we think of the least because we're just in flow in that area or we feel great in that area um I think that's really where I've gotten to a place it to be is my body is a vehicle for me to really create and expand my life and getting to that place where I'm in harmony with it. I'm in tune with it. Something I wasn't able to, I didn't share earlier, but I, I thought of when I was reading the questions was my, my body is almost like an antenna to my intuitive part of my nature, right? Like I get a lot of signals and downloads and um, feelings in my body. And I always say like, Oh, what is that? Tell me more. Like, what are you saying shoulder like, or, you know, up here, if it's tight and I talk to it. So I think maybe, and I could be wrong here, but one of those societal norms or stigmas that I've overcome is that it's, it's separate from me. Like I've realized it's a part of me and it's a, it's a tool that allows me to traverse this beautiful world called a human experience, you know, and I, I don't know if that fully answers the question, but it's just coming to this place of ease and flow in my body. And, and that for me has been enlightening um, to say the least, because I'm no longer listening to what is, what is I'm supposed to look like. And I don't actually hear and listen to those things anymore because I'm just in alignment with, with who I am and loving, loving me, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And what I hear is that you have given up the shame, blame, threaten game that is so pervasive in society around our bodies. Um, using those tools, and they are tools, they're terrible tools, but they're still tools. Uh, using those tools to create change or to find acceptance right yeah and instead you're using self-love and you're using um being present in your body now and using your body as a tool for signaling in your greater world which is beautiful and i also hear that you just have a lot of comfort in your body now and in society you know one of the societal norms that is really talked about is um is discomfort in the body you know there's a lot of discussion around, you know dis-ease discomfort yeah. and you know, it's on every magazine out there and, and you're being rebellious almost because <laughs> you're comfortable in your body. Yeah. Well, and I'm not saying that it's a perfect practice. Definitely. There's always room to grow. And there are moments of weakness where I, you know, show up in the mirror and I'm like, Ooh, and I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute. But so it's, like I said, it's not a perfect practice, but yeah, it, for most of the day, as I operate, even, you know, even as I pass the mirror, I'm like, hi, you know, and there's not this pause of disease or discomfort or disgust that used to exist um, as much any, anymore. And that I think 
the lack of attention that I'm putting on all the things that are not working is just the part that I'm highlighting right now. It's just like how my booty wasn't something I paid a lot of attention to because I loved it and it was good and it was fine. So like letting my body go through the day without noticing much of it and then just honoring it when I do have that moment in the shower or that moment as I'm putting on clothes in front of the mirror, that being the time I honor myself each and every day, it being that simple and subtle, um, being the thing that has overcome those social norms and, you know, societal expectations. (laughs) Yeah. So it, it's like the lack of attention gives, gives light or shines light on the amount of ease and flow in my life that I'm having with my body. Yeah. It's as if you kind of detached your body's value from the vessel, right? Like, so you're not looking at it as something that assigns uh, self-value or self-worth in any way. You're seeing it instead as simply a vessel, um, mm-hmm. a channel for you to receive intuitive message, a, child, a channel for you to do the work that you do in the world. Um, and by seeing it more as a part of you that that serves you and your greater mission, it's as if you're able to see it from a different light that doesn't necessarily kind of get tinted by what other people see. You're able to kind of stand more grounded in your own because you have a deep understanding that your body is here to support you and your mission. Yeah. And so the one thing when you were saying that, I think you said that so beautifully, Diana, is um, when I was talking about earlier being Okinawan and being hairy and we have dark hair, we don't have light hair, we have really dark hair. And one of the ways that it just, it dawned on me as you were saying that, where you were sharing that is I receive my, one of the ways I receive intuition is by getting like chicken skin or chills on my body. And the cool part is it's very noticeable because I have beautiful hair on my arms. So it stands up and it's, and I'm like, that, that's one of the ways that I actually work with my clients is like, Ooh, I just got chills that, that was confirmation, but it it's cool because now it stands out and it, it's a beautiful signal from the universe that yes, we're in alignment, we're in flow. Like, and so that's, I, I didn't realize that until this conversation, but that's one way I've shifted my relationship with even the hair on my body, right? It's just, and, and not shaving my legs. That was a big deal too. But being able to say like, oh, this is serving me. Like it, it actually shows up in a, a beautiful way. And the relationship, like you said, has shifted. Seeing the parts of our body that maybe we didn't always love as something that is in fact serving us. That's fantastic. So I would love to ask, do you have any closing thoughts for our listeners today? Would you, or is there any message that you would like to leave them with? Yeah, I, I think on the note of what we were talking about, the, the message that I would love to, you know, send out and let you guys all like land and hear is that our, our body is so intelligent. It, it's so intuitive and it's, it's a brilliant I don't know. It's a magical thing. And so if, if nothing else, I have learned to explore my body in wonder and curiosity, and that has allowed myself to put away the judgment and away the criticism. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, be curious, be, um, have fun and, 
really embrace all the parts of yourself, both inside and out, as a beautiful mosaic, right? It, each part is a piece of the mosaic. And in order for that to be a beautiful piece of art, it's not each piece is necessary. So whether it's, you know, we're not in love with our hair, but the hair makes up who Samantha is, right? And each part of me is essential to creating the wholeness um, and the beauty that gets translated as, as me. So that, that's organically, I had no prior thought of that. <laughs> that's what's coming through. <laughs> Well, thank you for coming on today as our guest. Uh, I know like I have thoroughly enjoyed hearing all of your expertise and wisdom. And I know that Diana has too. Thank you again, Samantha, for coming on as our guest today. We thoroughly enjoyed having you and we're looking forward to seeing if you are able to come as a speaker to the October conference, because I know that um, our listeners are going to want to hear more from you and your amazing modality. Oh, thank you. Yes, I look forward to that. And I look forward to your launch. And I'm just so thrilled to be a part of this um, project and this movement because you guys are so inspiring. And I I know that you guys are doing such amazing things in the world. So I feel very honored to be here and honored to be on this episode that's announcing the launch. <laughs> so yay. Awesome. Yes. Thank yay. You. Thank you, Sam. <laughs> well, thank you to our listeners for coming on to join Diana and I today. And we'll see you back here next week. Bye. Bye. 